They really aren't. Thanks very much, Mr. Clark. Aren't you two forgetting something? Well, you build in. A skull and, and jaw from... Welcome to episode 43 of What I'm Watching with Jill Winter. I'm Jill, host of the syndicated FM radio show Middays with Jill Winter, where you can hear all of your favorite top 40 hits every weekday on Rhythm 105.9 FM in California and on Jams 99.3 FM in Kansas. You can also find my social media links at www.jillwinterofficial.com. And of course, there's a link to this podcast as well. Please remember to subscribe to us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Now, it's been a while since Jen and I have recorded an episode because of the holiday hustle and bustle and waiting for shows to come back. Now that the strike is over, we're really excited. So first off, let me say Happy New Year to all of you and thanks for joining us. We're just now catching up on things that we've been waiting to see and are really looking forward to talking about all of the new content that will be coming out this year and next year. As always, I watched a few things that Jen wanted no part of, so I'm going to give you my take on them before Jen joins in on the fun. First up, let's start with a horror movie that Alex and I watched on Prime Video called Totally Killer. When the infamous Sweet 16 killer returns 35 years after his first murder spree to claim another victim, 17-year-old Jamie accidentally travels back in time to 1987, determined to stop the killer before he can start. This horror comedy stars Julie Bowen, and it felt like a mashup of Halloween meets Scream meets Back to the Future. Very surprisingly, Alex and I really enjoyed this movie. It was quick-paced, it was a funny slasher flick with a purpose, and it had a lot of 80s music. So, if you're into those things, definitely check it out. Next up, I was on my own for the Netflix streamer series, My Life with the Walter Boys. Based on Ali Novak's novel, My Life with the Walter Boys tells the story of 15-year-old Jackie Howard, played by Nikki Rodriguez. Uprooted from her idyllic Manhattan life, Jackie finds herself in Colorado with the Walter family, following a family tragedy. Amidst grief, she strives to cling to her dream of attending Princeton University while navigating a love triangle with two of the many Walter brothers, Cole and Alex. It's a younger soapy drama that stays entertaining and has already been renewed for a second season. If you enjoy this genre, I say go for the binge on a cold weekend when you're home and just feel like lounging in front of the TV. After the teen drama, Alex came back to watch TV with me again for a second look at the Night Court reboot. When we watched most of the season of the Night Court reboot, we were less than enthused. John Larroquette and Melissa Roche were the only things even remotely funny about the show, and we became disenchanted with it. That is, until the Christmas episode. Which is still a bit confusing to me. I'm pretty sure that it was supposed to be a season one episode, but the strike messed up the schedule and some sites have it listed as season two. Either way, we finally saw Marshall Warfield return as Roz. Sadly, Lara Kett and Warfield are the only two remaining original main cast members still with us, and seeing them back on Night Court together was like capturing lightning in a bottle for a second time. As of now, it's unknown if Marsha Warfield will become a regular on the show, but another bonus point in my book is the removal of the character Neil due to quote-unquote cast reshuffling. 
I found the character so unfunny and annoying. A new clerk character has been added and the jury is still out on him, but I did like the temporary clerk character, Flobert, in a couple of episodes. One of them, he plays the temporary clerk and the other one, he's just around the building because he has more of a Mac-like energy from the original show. For now, I'm enjoying it more than when I first began season one and Alex agrees. So we will continue to watch it, but the episodes are hit or miss. I think if they can work Marshall Warfield in as a permanent cast member, it would be a hell of a lot funnier. But if you're looking for a hint of nostalgia, I would give it a shot on NBC. Now, for the first time in 2024, Jen Kane is back, so we can start discussing everything we love and hate on TV, beginning with The Crown on Netflix. Netflix's scripted drama series, looking back on the British royals' modern history, has won 21 Emmys since its release in 2016, and viewers so far have seen retellings of love stories, scandals, inner family dynamics, and so much more. Season 6 is the final season, and it brings us into the 90s and early 2000s, most notably to the death of Princess Diana in 1997. They had an awful lot to cover, I feel, this last few seasons that they did. The poor family, you know, has been compared to the Kennedys a lot because of all the drama and heartache and yes. just, it's unreal. I mean, if if this was scripted, people would say it's a bit over the top, but unfortunately, it's all real. I don't know how you felt about this last season that was split into two, but I think for me, I think the casting took me out. A bit. Really? Yeah. I don't know why. Well, I haven't mentioned the names of the actors because they did change so frequently as the actors or the people changed mm -hmm. and aged over the years. So for me, at like the beginning of each season that they changed actors, it took an episode or two to get into it. I thought they did a pretty good job with William, Prince William, Harry. Yeah. Mm -mm. yeah. Yeah, that was a tough cast right there. Yeah, that, that was definitely a tough cast. But I thought Princess Di was fantastic. I mean, I don't think they could have found anybody with a better likeness. She did a great job with the mannerisms, I think. I think, number one, because she's so tall, it was a problem. And the real Diana always had like her head down, that kind of like, she always looked like she was bowing. Right. And I just felt like it was too much. Like her head was always down. Like it. I, I don't know. It, it, I struggled with it. I thought she did a great job. That casting was great. Dominic West, I didn't particularly like him as Charles. He basically was Dominic West from every other Dominic West show he's been in. I haven't seen Dominic West in anything else. And I think I've said this before, no disrespect intended, but they were very generous in that casting as far as now King Charles we should also note that the actress that played Princess Di is Elizabeth Debicki. And I didn't really find myself bothered by her kind of keeping her head down because I felt it stayed in character with how Princess Di was in real life. Maybe it was throwing me because, like I said, she is very tall. Maybe it just looked like she was kind of kneeling into everybody or bowing into everybody around her. Perhaps, but I'm 4'11", so everybody's tall to me. <laughs> yes. Oh, that would have been funny to see you standing next to her. Overall, I think the way they wrapped it up, that last episode, I thought they did a great job of kind of 
spoiler alert, of kind of bringing back in the other queens for like kind of like a flashback kind of thing. Yes. I thought they did a great job. I think, like I said, there was a lot for them to cover. I felt like they were kind of kind of pigeonholing everything in at once. Yes, they, they were trying to cram everything in. Again, you had the strike, you had the death in real life of Queen Elizabeth, and they were being respectful of that, not filming for a while. So I think by this final season, it was like, all right, hurry up, get her done. Mm. I thought it was very maudlin, though, because it did deal with the death of Princess Diana. Margaret. Princess Margaret, Porchy, mm-hmm. and then... The queen mother also passed in right. this season. Plus, they kept discussing the impending deaths in the series. We know in real life it's taken place already of Prince Philip and Queen Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. So Planning their own funeral, which is morbid on a whole other level. But that's, that's right. the British for you. Plan and make sure everything's in place. Exactly. And then it kind of bothered me that they didn't go any further than that. They didn't discuss... Anything about Prince William or Prince Harry's right. weddings or... That might be coming up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I think that might be a different documentary because this uh-huh. was the end of it. But, you know, there was the discord between Prince Harry and his family when he got together with Meghan Markle. And right. I, it was just, honestly, it was depressing. But I feel <laughs> like if you watch the entire series, Finish you it. need to see the end for closure. So absolutely. And it they could be doing the crown, you know, colon the next chapter, who knows. I mean, it would be silly for them because there's like you said, there's all this continuing drama that I mean, they could certainly get viewers right. out of it, I'm sure. No, I'm I'm not one of these I, I think they call them royalists. I don't follow the royal family and read all the the news and the order. You know, I see things here and there, but we know pretty much that Prince Harry has fallen out of favor with the family. So I don't know if Netflix is going to touch it. I mean, (laughs) Harry has done his Oprah interviews with Meghan Markle and things like that. I don't know if they're going to touch it with a 10-foot pole or they're just going to let sleeping dogs lie. But the overall series, The Crown, I thought was done really well. And I would give it three and a half antlers. I'd say stream it if you have any interest in the royal family. Yes, I think, like you said, for the entirety of the series, I thought the early seasons were spot on with the casting and the acting. I would probably give it four antlers. After being utterly depressed by the last season of The Crown... We decided to give Fool Me Once on Netflix a chance. Maya Stern is trying to come to terms with the brutal murder of her husband, Joe. However, when Maya installs a nanny cam to keep an eye on her young daughter, she's shocked to see her husband in her house. It stars Michelle Keegan as Maya, Richard Armitage as Joe Burkett, Adil Akhtar as Sammy, Joanna Lumley as Judith Burkett, and a full ensemble cast. This is also a Harlan Coben series, and I happen to like Harlan Coben. When he finds a formula, he sticks with it, doesn't he? For sure. (laughs) One bazillion percent. The man figured out how to print money. Absolutely. This is, if you've ever watched any of his other series, which I know we have, it is that same formula of every episode ends with a cliffhanger, which is good, right? But you know it's coming, so you kind of just wait for it. It's set in Britain somewhere. And the casting is usually spot on. I 
even knowing all that, knowing how it was kind of going to go cliffhanger kind of thing at the end, I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I thought the casting was great storyline, you know, a little glitchy here and there, but right. I, I enjoyed it. You're right. You always know what you're going to get. And that's why I think people keep coming back. Mm-hmm. I have to say that my favorite part of this entire series was that Joanna Lumley, uh-huh. <laughs> who rose to fame as the sex, drug, and rock and roll loving Patsy from the BBC show, Absolutely Fabulous, was uh-huh. in this. And she played a much more serious role. Yes. Yes. But she did a I great mean, job. We all knew her as sweetie darling. Uh-huh. She was awful and in that show. Awfully great. But she was great. Yeah. I mean, she was like the best drug addict, <laughs> but, you know, functioning, kept her life going character are absolutely fabulous yes one of one of my all-time favorite comedies and it's certainly not for children but i would highly recommend going back and watching it if you've never seen it no but i loved her playing this very serious role of the mother-in-law yes she did a great job being evil and she could be condescending one moment and you kind of see a little bit of a smile on her face but she would cut you with her words it was great to watch there were a few things that didn't make sense to me, like <laughs> Maya's friend Shane yes. hiding outside of her house seemed to be Which was never explained. Yeah. Right. It was like overlooked, but overall I was intrigued by the show. And like you said, I knew what was going to happen to some degree, but I wanted to keep watching it. Right. Right. And I think the only explanation I can think of is was Shane suspicious of her. At, at some point and thought that she was involved in the murder. And, but again, it was like that quick little, you missed it if you blinked. So it was there for a reason, but they never, like you said, followed up on it. There was some twist that I didn't see coming towards the end, which right. made it, I don't want to give it. away. Yeah. Right. But I thought the acting was spot on. The dialogue was quick. There wasn't a lot of fluff. I felt like it flowed really well. So I'd give it probably three and a half antlers. I enjoyed the show. If you've liked all of Harlan Coben's other series, give it a shot. It's streaming on Netflix. I would give it four antlers. Next up, Jen and I watched You Are What You Eat, a twin experiment on Netflix, thinking that perhaps we would learn something educational. Chronicling the recent Stanford University study of identical twins, the series follows twin pairs one of whom was put on a vegan or plant-based diet free of meat, seafood, eggs, and dairy, while the other ate an omnivore diet, including plants, meat, and animal products. I think in theory, this looked interesting, right? Because identical twins, what better subjects to have for these kinds of things. But I'm completely fascinated by twins (laughs) and identical twins anyway. Right. Like, how did this happen? You're in a replica of each other. It's weird. Um, and right. so I guess if you, it's cool, it though. is if, and if the guy was right, if you are going to do any kind of an experiment like this, what better subjects to have? They have the same DNA, right? They, they grew up the same. So I, I liked it in theory, but I felt mm-hmm. like, and, and maybe they had more than they showed on the show. I think there was what, 20 pairs or something or 12. Yeah, it's, there were definitely more than they focused on. The pairings were somewhere in the twenties, but they didn't focus on more than a handful. The group was larger than that. Right. And I think some of the stuff they were monitoring made sense to me. Some of it didn't, but I'm not like a scientist, so I don't know. But I think overall it would, the findings were interesting. Was anything truly dramatic? I didn't think anything was, but 
I'd like to see if they follow up, like say five years from now, if they kept the experiment going on longer. Right. Well, so far the study found that after only eight weeks, the twins eating the plant-based diet experienced an increase in their life expectancy, reduced visceral fat, which is the dangerous fat that accumulates around your organs, reduced risk of heart disease, and even a heightened sexual drive. The results surprised even the Stanford research team. Now, even though this sounds all fantastic, I still feel like when they were giving the results, they weren't that far off from one another. Right, right. I expected more dramatic differences between the two. And like, I'd want to know, this was over eight weeks. So would this continue? That's what I would want to know. Like, would this trend continue a year from now? Would it level off? I guess I'd, I'd want to know if these results would be sustainable and increase over time or if it kind of would level off and it wouldn't make a difference. I don't know. I'm in no way, shape or form qualified to say anything about anything medically. I have no medical background. I do know that Alex has a friend that was vegan for quite some time and his doctor made him become vegetarian because there were certain things in his blood work Mm. that were off the charts and not good. Again, I don't know. I'm not a medical professional. But aside from all of that, my main issue with this series was that the title was so misleading. The series showed more about slaughterhouses, animal disease, Mm. and feces than the actual twins participating in the experiment. Yeah, they did go into a lot of how feedlots and things of that nature affect the environment and the impact, say, of pig farming on the neighborhood environment as far as drinking water and air quality and things of that nature. It kind of got away from the actual eating part of it. So It should have been a separate documentary, in my opinion. It's like they were kind of intertwining the diet part of it and the twins versus kind of a call to, we really need to find alternatives to animal products. Right. I mean, I'm a believer in two things, everything in moderation and live and let live as long as you're not hurting anyone. Personally, I'm not a fan of soy products or mushrooms, which are both used very Mm -hmm. heavily in vegan diets. If I had to, I could probably become a vegetarian if they made cheese taste good with zero cholesterol. Yes. Well, that woman apparently found the magic to uh, mozzarella cheese on pizza. So she says, but... So she says. I don't know if I'm willing to go that far to try it. (laughs) So, I don't know. That being said, this show was far too long and far too misleading for me. Mm -hmm. If you're interested in the outcome, I would just read an article on it. I give it one antler, even though I did manage to stick it out and watch all the episodes... I'm kind of sorry I did. Everybody should eat how they want to eat and be healthy. And that's it. Live and let live. Right. Follow your own doctor advice because I think there's no one diet either way for everybody. And you do have to monitor personally what you eat and how it affects your own health. So again, it was interesting concept to start with. I'd also give it one antler. I'm so happy that there are a lot of shows now coming out. Uh, We keep saying it over and over again. The strike is over. Hooray. Next episode, I'm really looking forward to discussing Griselda starring Sofia Vergara, which we're both watching right now. And we're going to have a couple of other things to discuss as well. Thanks so much for tuning in to What I'm Watching with Joe Winter. Thanks so much to Jen Kane for joining me here each and every episode. A very special thanks to our amazing producer, DJ Bingington, who produces my radio show as well. 
If you're on X, you can find him at D-J-B-I-N-G-I-N-G-T-O-N. You can follow Jen on X at Jen Kane TV, and you can find me at Jill Winter Music, where there's a link to this podcast as well. Please remember to subscribe to us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Until next time, go find a show to binge. Binge.